You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts joined the Washington Post Live to discuss how he's handling the coronavirus pandemic in his state. You'll hear some audio issues in parts of this interview, but despite those technical difficulties, the conversation proved to be both interesting and informative. Let's listen. Good morning. I'm Bob Costa, a national political reporter at The Washington Post. Today, we are continuing our Leadership During Crisis series for Washington Post Live. Our guests are confronting challenges across their states and their cities, economic carnage, testing, all of those issues confronting them as leaders, but they lead different parts of the nation. One is a governor, the other big city mayor. Both are Republicans. First this morning, I'll speak with Nebraska's governor, Pete Ricketts. Then we'll turn to Mayor Francis Suarez of Miami, Florida. But first, Governor Ricketts, welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you very much for having me on. Really appreciate you being here. Let's begin with one of the big issues in your state, meatpacking. Those areas have been hot spots in Nebraska. What are the biggest health challenges right now in that industry? Well, in general, that environment is a very difficult one to be able to do social distancing because of the concentration of people and how close together they work. And so what we have done in working together with University of Nebraska Medical Center and Nebraska Medicine is they have published uh, what we call the Meat Processing COVID-19 Playbook, which is a best practices playbook that focuses on what they should do to be able to take steps to be able to keep workers healthy and safe. So it addresses everything from putting up plastic, uh, you know, plexiglass barriers between workstations to plastic in the lunchrooms to keep people from, uh, you know, being close to each other when they're eating, to addressing their air handling condition, uh, air handling units, how, how they put on uh, PPE, making sure everybody's wearing masks, that sort of thing. And so we work with uh, all of our food processors here in the state to make sure these best practices. And then, of course, I do uh, a lot of outreach. Uh, we've got a lot of folks whose English is not their first language, so we do twice a weekly press briefings in Spanish, as well as uh, other languages. We have videos to be able to help uh, communicate the need for social distancing outside the workplace and taking those good hygiene practices in the, into the home as well. That point you just made, Governor, about people who don't have English as their first language, how are you making sure minority communities and others in your state, like Native Americans, are getting the access to testing that they need. Yeah, so one of the things that we have done is really expand testing lately. So for example, um, over the last uh, seven days or so, we've done 22,200 tests versus the previous week where we'd done 13,300 tests. Um, and uh, we work with our uh, local fairly qualified health clinics because they're kind of the trust communities to do testing. Um, sometimes these communities don't really trust government. Hey, and I'm a Republican. I'm kind of on the board of not trusting government too. So uh, what we do is like, for example, One World, which is one of our clinics in uh, South Omaha, where there's a large Hispanic community, we work with them to be able to do testing so that people feel comfortable coming in, getting that testing done there, and uh, really look for, to find ways to be able to expand that. Because as I'm sure the data from the rest of the country is showing is, minority communities are being disproportionately impacted by the prevalence of the coronavirus. 
You say, Governor, that you have some, skeptic uh, some skepticism toward government. You are a conservative Republican. You've gotten some scrutiny, some criticism from state lawmakers in Nebraska about Test Nebraska, the $27 million no-bid contract. Do you stand by that decision? Have you thought in any way about revising that contract? Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, again, one of the things that we know we need to do is to be able to have this thing here in the state of Nebraska. And we were working with the Silicon Slopes companies to be able to provide that. They had a, that, their consortium had access to the machines, to the reagents, all things that were in short supply. And in fact, you know, we've been looking to be able to acquire things like reagents from companies directly. A lot of it can only come through the CDC and their IRR program, and that was uh, being limited to, the st to states like Nebraska. So we were thinking outside the box to be able to find ways to be able to expand. And we've been able to do that here in Nebraska. So I've been very pleased with how the program's been going. We've set up the lab in, uh, with, in partnership with one of our hospital systems. It's a CLIA certified lab. And this is the way, one of the ways that we're actually being able to expand that testing I just described. So you're going to stick with Test Nebraska uh, despite the criticism? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of the ways that we're being able to roll out testing wider Nebraska. It's not the only way. We are you know, continuing to expand testing through our commercial labs and our relationships there. Uh, our Nebraska Public Health Lab has utilized a technique called pooling samples to be able to expand the number of testing that they can do. And we are continuing to look for other ways to expand testing. But Test Nebraska is a big part of how we're rolling out uh, additional testing across the state. Do you feel like Test Nebraska is doing enough with its mobile testing sites and it, to provide data to your state about where things are perhaps growing in terms of case numbers? Well, that's certainly one of the things we want to use Test Nebraska for is to ask people to sign up for the program and then we'll use those mobile testing sites to move around the state and look for places that may have increasing numbers of percent positives testing that way. So that might be an early indicator. We may have a growing hotspot there. And then what we do is we deploy resources additional testing there, contact tracing, uh, look to manage the hospital system, all that, make sure we can manage that uh, because that's really the key is, uh, you know, making sure you get to those places early. And then of course, it's the typical way you manage a, a pandemic is uh, you find the people who have been infected, you get them to quarantine and isolate, you go back and find their contacts, get them to monitor their symptoms or have them quarantine. And that way you can focus on the people who've been impacted by the virus and let everybody else go back to a more normal life. I want to come back, Governor, to that point you made about the skepticism toward government, because when you look at the meatpacking industry, let's go back to that for a moment. You, you, are, you have guidelines in your states. You have encouragement in terms of uh, what you're saying as governor, but you've often resisted formal rules or executive orders. So how are you going to hold, for example, meatpacking companies accountable for workplace, workplace conditions if they're not formal guidelines or executive orders? Well, we already have a whole regulatory scheme in place to manage workplaces. It's called OSHA. Uh, and so that's a federal government role. And so we don't have any regulatory role at the state of Nebraska. So we, we've been doing is working to really communicate out and work with the food processors with regard to the best practices that we have established, 
Uh, if you talk to the folks at UNMC, they'll tell you they've been very pleased with the progress we've made. Certainly more room for improvement as we go forward, but we have weekly calls with the processors to hit upon these best practices. And they're not all involved just, uh, you know, putting up plexiglass. It's also work practices with regard to, you know, uh, attendance record, you know, the kind of penalties for not having, being, having good attendance and getting, making sure those are suspended, making sure uh, folks are being paid to stay home if they're sick or they've got short-term disability, you know, really reducing the incentives for workers to come in and be sick and then therefore spread the virus. And so my approach just in general has been to take a lighter hand with the government, whether it's with the food processors. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning, uh, you know, it was part of the panel that we didn't do a, a formal shelter in place order. What we did mm -hmm. is said, here's the guidelines. We want everybody to do a good job of managing and doing the right thing here in Nebraska. And that's what we've seen from Nebraskans is by and large, they've been doing the right thing with regard to all the rules we put in place and the restrictions we put in place. It's good to hear by and large in your view, that's the case, but are you preparing governor for a possible surge and would you be open to revising your decision on a stay at home order in the future? Well, I don't think there's a reason to do a stay-at-home order. Uh, again, we're gonna, we've done a great job of managing what we were supposed to do, which is about preserving the hospital system. We've got 44% uh, of our hospital beds available, 38% of our ICU beds available, and 78% of our ventilators are available. So we've done what experts told us over two months ago to do, which is to make sure we slow the spread of the virus so that we don't have uh, the healthcare system being overwhelmed. And that has been our North Star. That's been our guiding principle. Mm -hmm. And now as we start to loosen restrictions, we're going to continue to do it a step at a time, do it slowly, do it cautiously to make sure we preserve that healthcare system so that anybody who needs that hospital bed, that ICU bed, or that ventilator can get access to it when they need it. So far, we've done that very successfully here in Nebraska. And that's what we're going to continue to do is focus on that as we start loosening restrictions over the course of the summer. So when it comes to restrictions, based on your answer right now, is it fair to say the metric you're looking at is hospital bed capacity, ICUs, versus increased number of cases and deaths? Different metrics yeah. in terms of your decision making? Yeah, absolutely. So again, go back two months ago, nobody talked about cases, nobody talked about deaths. What they talked about was preserving our healthcare system. We still, we built our whole plan around that. And let's take some of the things you know, that's a variable that changes. As we do more, we're going to expect to find more cases. Uh, your percent positive could change depending on who you're testing and where you're testing. So, for example, early on when we had limited testing capability, we tested people who came into the hospital. Guess what? They tended to test at a higher rate because they were higher risk. They were presenting with symptoms. Well, now that we're, we've expanded that to folks who are healthcare workers, first responders, food processors, uh, also to people who are 65 or older. We're testing more people who are not necessarily or who are symptomatic. Maybe they, they're asymptomatic. And so our percent positive rate is dropping. So, but we've also greatly expanded the number of cases. So we are getting more mm -hmm. cases tested positive. It seems kind of natural. So that's not, that, that variable changes. So it's not a really good one to, to look at. But hospitals, people go to the hospital when they feel sick. There, it doesn't matter if they test positive or negative for coronavirus. If they feel like they need to go, they're going to what you're trying to do is find a variable you want to look at to make sure that it's something that's not going to change. And that's what we're doing. And really, this is what it's all about, is making sure we can provide that care. Again, over two months ago, all of our public health experts said, nobody's got immunity to this virus. You can't stop it from coming, but you can slow it down 
to make sure that that peak does not overwhelm your healthcare system. That's what we've done here in Nebraska, and that's what we're going to continue to do. In terms of slowing down the virus on a medicine level, the University of Nebraska's Medical Center is holding clinical trials for remdesivir. What specifically can you share any insights about how remdesivir is being used in hospitals in Nebraska and what the state has learned? Yeah, we're, uh, well, we're very proud of uh, the University of Nebraska Medical Center. They were uh, part of the first uh, clinical trials in phase one, and they've actually got the first patients in the worldwide phase two trials for remdesivir. And we've been distributed remdesivir just like every other state committee to distribute those. Uh, we're working with all of our hospital systems to be able to do that. And we think that uh, based upon what we're seeing right now in the state, that we'll be able to treat anybody who you know has that more severe case with remdesivir and help them and shorten the time that they're on that ventilator, for example, to be able to help them recover faster. What about hydroxychloroquine? The president has decided to take that drug. Is that being used extensively in Nebraska as well? Hydroxychloroquine really is not being extensively used here in Nebraska. Uh, we, I don't, there may be uh, people who are using it. I'm not saying that there aren't people who might not be using it, but we have not made that a, a push here just because it hasn't had the clinical trials that say remdesivir has. And we really work closely with UNMC. They're some of the world leading experts with regard to infectious diseases. So we really try to focus on kind of the things that are proven or established with regard to the science uh, to be able to you know, promote that with regard to Due to the president's decision to take hydroxychloroquine, uh, I must ask, are you taking any preventative measures yourself, such as hydroxychloroquine? No, I'm not taking any drugs like that. Uh, you know, I take my fish oil pills every day like I usually do. Uh, I wear a mask if I go into a store uh, to buy something or something like that. But other than that, I just kind of, you know, kind of my precautions of what we're asking all Nebraskans to do is, hey, work, but work in a socially distanced way. Don't take unnecessary trips outside the household. All those sort of things is really kind of what we're focused on here. I kind of just, you know, get up in the morning, drive into work, go back home at night. We have a question from one of our readers, Linda Dobesh from Nebraska. She says, cases are rising in various parts of the state, particularly Lincoln. Why are you refusing to allow county or city officials to authorize their own rules? Right, so what we do is we look at the database decision, specifically the hospital system, to be able to make those decisions on what we're doing with DHMs. And in the city of Lincoln, for example, we've got tremendous capacity. In fact, uh, over 80% of their ventilators are available. And while they've had a few more cases come into their hospital system, it really isn't that many. I mean, you're talking about 20 or 30 people. Actually, I think the actual case number count is 21 or 22 in the Lincoln hospital systems today. And given the capacity they've got, it's very, very little. So what we're trying to do is make sure that we're balancing out everything we want to make sure that we're preserving that hospital system, but we also want to make sure that the restrictions we put in place are, you know, something that we can live with. Because at some point, again, our health professionals told this over a couple of months ago, if you have too tight a restrictions for too long, people will start disobeying those. And we really want this to be an orderly way, not just to have people start bailing and just attention at all. 
We've also gotten a few questions from readers, Governor, about Medicaid expansion. It's been uh, approved in Nebraska, but it's been delayed in terms of its implementation until later this year. Are you rethinking the Medicaid expansion plan at all in Nebraska due to this crisis? Well, actually, our plans to expand Medicaid have not been delayed. We've put out a project plan for how we're going to roll this out. It's been published on our you know, Department of Health and Human Services website for many months now. And we are working to make sure that we have a really good experience when we roll this out. You know, remember, we're going to be adding on uh, you know, over 90,000 people uh, additional that are really typically not the people we serve, right? These are single able-bodied adults versus usually the, you know, the moms or the children or the elderly people we served before. They don't need pediatricians, so we have to find new providers to take care of them. We have to develop a system for enrolling them. We have to hire people to be able to take care of them. So it's a rather big project to be able to bring on, you know, another maybe third more people that you're going to have uh, in your system. So we've laid out a plan for doing that. Uh, we've uh, been working that with CMS to get October, a favor correct? Group, but it's definitely uh, one of the things that uh, has been also delayed in Washington because of the coronavirus. But would you ever consider moving forward the implementation of the expansion? You see all the people in Nebraska nationally struggling economically. Well, the challenge is that we have to have CMS approval to be able to do that. So if we would go back and resubmit our waiver or go back and try a different plan, we'd have to get their approval. And, you know, given the emergency, we may be able to get that in an accelerated process. Uh, but then we'd have to go back and write all of our health, our software systems as well. And ultimately, what that would end up doing, if we tried to change plans now, given that we're going to start taking applications August 1st, it would likely delay that date past August 1st. So if we tried to change now, it'd probably push that date uh, back even further than August 1st to be able to start taking applications. Just a couple minutes left here, Governor. When you look to Washington in Congress, they're negotiating the, the next round of uh, Stimulus, what does Nebraska need specifically, if anything? Well, I've actually been opposed to doing another round of stimulus where you've got, you're spending trillions and trillions of dollars. I think that the, you know, the federal government has already put out a package there. Uh, our Congressman Don Bacon has suggested maybe a compromise position where you would allow the states to use the money that's already been distributed to uh, fill budget holes. But, you know, here in the state of Nebraska, we've been very conservative with regard to how we've managed our budget. We came into this pandemic with a strong, uh, you know, financial position, and we will manage this just like every American family has to. Uh, you know, we'll tighten our belts. We'll live within our means. We'll live within the budget. So we'll be able to manage this. I am concerned that adding additional trillions of dollars that our great-grandchildren are going to have to pay off is going to have huge long-term impacts on our country. So... Uh, what I would encourage Congress to do is to say, hey, if you want to give states more flexibility, give states more flexibility to manage it, but don't add on trillions and trillions of more debt that, you know, we already can't pay off. Well, Governor, why not look for more money from Washington if you've already publicly said you're, you may need to cut your own budget in Nebraska due to this pandemic? Well, that money doesn't just come for free, right? Uh, that money comes from us as taxpayers, ultimately. So you can say, well, it's coming from Washington, but it's still coming from Nebraska taxpayers who pay their federal taxes to be able to support Washington. What we all are going to have to do is say, look, it's a new world. Our economy has taken a hit because of the pandemic. That means that households all across America are having to tighten their belts. 
they expect governments to do the same thing. So we've got to figure out ways that we can deliver our services, do a better job of doing it, just like they do in the private sector, but reduce how we're spending money as well, prioritize what we're going to spend on, and that way live within our means just like every American family does. And frankly, that's one of the things that we've demonstrated here in Nebraska is we've implemented all sorts of things that the private sector does to do a better job serving their customers. And we've been able to do that while controlling our budget. We've improved a tremendous number of our services. We measure all those things so we can show you how we've done that. And we've done that while controlling our expenses. So that's how we came into this pandemic with uh, such a strong financial position in the first place. And just finally, Governor, when you talk about budget cuts, what specifically is on your radar? Well, I think one of the things that people think about sometimes when they think about budget cuts, so you got to slash that program or this program, real budget control comes from overall lowering your expenses by doing the blocking and tackling every day to figure out how you can improve your systems, how you can reduce the, your headcount. So, for example, um, you know, uh, we at the state of Nebraska uh, earlier this year had the lowest employment level, lowest number of people employed by my agencies since 1994 by actually looking at process improvement. We employed things like Lean Six Sigma to leverage better technology and better process. That's how you actually control expenses. It's not about like going in and whacking programs that uh, you know may be important. It's about finding ways to manage your costs so that you do a better job providing services, improving level of service while you're controlling costs and this is what the private sector does every day. As a reporter, I hear that answer, Governor, and I see a governor open in negotiation with the state legislature on this issue. <laughs> well, as you know, uh, it is a negotiation with the legislature with regard to how all this works with regard to the, the budget. They control the purse strings, and so uh, you know, we certainly uh, want to have good relationships with the legislature as we decide upon what these budget issues are going to be. Governor Ricketts, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Great. Hey, thank you very much, Bob. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.